go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Back at it again. All right, seeing the place to be. Rick Saratella here on this Wednesday, September 14th, 2022, here with you on the Football Playbook Show, brought to you by Ocean Casino and Resorts. Buckle up. It's uh, Vikings week. We're turning the page onto the Vikings, and we've been uh, chopping it up, breaking it down all week long. We've got uh, two more great guests for you here today. Glenn Irby from USA Today, Eagles Newswire, will join us at 10.30 a.m., Eastern time. And we have the uh, great Kayla Santiago checking in 11 o'clock in the second hour of power. Hey, it's your home for real Eagles football talk. That's what we do here on the football playbook. And, you know, I had a chance to watch the press conferences yesterday, uh, both Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. You know, it's uh, it's interesting to see. Good morning, all my chat room people. Shout out. What up? It's interesting to see the the demeanor of these two guys when they address the media, it, 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 it's, it's quite interesting in terms of body language. If you're into that kind of thing, uh, the kind of wheels that are turning with Jonathan Gannon before he delivers a response, because let's be honest, these guys are reading the press clippings. That's clear, very clear by his comments, very clear by the calculated responses by Jonathan Gannon in his press conference. He really, likes to think before he responds because he knows anything he says can be and will be taken out of context and blown up on the Jacob Sports Channel or any Philadelphia media market, right? And so I got to thinking, like, then I watched Shane Steichen answer questions, someone who I think is doing a good job. And the media, I think, feels that way as well because you don't see Steichen getting criticized. Now, He's as cool as a cucumber. He's uh, seems very prepared in his responses. Uh, you can tell he exudes confidence. Shane Steichen. Uh, I can't say the same about Jonathan Gannon. Now, both of these guys are really learning on the job. You know, they're really learning on the job. And I think that's one thing that hasn't been discussed here on the show when it comes to Gannon and the defense is maybe you don't have a real defensive coordinator. Did you ever think about that? Maybe he's still learning. You know, I heard I heard uh, Johnny Mack on Birds 365. Is it personnel? Is it scheme? I mean, he added five impact players on the defense. It can't be personnel. Isn't that what we talked about? All training camp? How much improved the defense? It can't be personnel. It's got to be schematic. And so when you look at Gannon who never really called a defense in his life until it came to the Philadelphia Eagles, never in his life was a defensive coordinator. Uh, 
you know, a guy that I believe start, you know, cut his teeth under Bobby Petrino at the Atlanta Falcons because he had a career ending injury at Louisville, Gannon did. And so Petrino brought him to the NFL, I think, as a quality control assistant. And, you know, he worked his way up the ranks as more of a defensive quality control assistant. Then he was a DB's defensive back coach. Then he comes to the Eagles. He gets handed the reins as a defensive coordinator. And, and what I was going to say is McMullen was saying, hey, well, all you know, there's 10 teams around the league running the Vic Fangio defense. Well, maybe Jonathan Gannon just hasn't learned to master it. Maybe that's why Vic Fangio is hanging out all training camp trying to teach this kid. And I say, kid, he's my age. He's about my age, a little bit younger. But did you ever think about Jonathan Gannon? Maybe he's just not a defensive coordinator or he's learning on the fly. It's what it looks like to me. You go from being a quality control coach to a DB coach to suddenly the defensive coordinator. I think that's a legitimate concern. And so, you know, the question is, is Jonathan Gannon going to adapt and adjust like Nick Sariani last year adapted and adjusted, right? Because Shane Steichen's another guy, never called the offense. I think, you know, somewhere around that Lions game last year, we don't know exactly what game that Sirianni handed off those duties, but we do know Steichen has full play calling, close to full play calling control this year. And Sirianni still has a stamp on the offense, right? They're going to huddle up. They're going to meet. They're going to collaborate. Like Steichen said yesterday, you know, Sariani, if he wants something called in game, Shane's going to get it done. Like the buck stops with Nick. But I thought it was interesting just seeing how they took on the media, you know, Gannon, he knew, he knew some, and I thought the media took it kind of easy on him. They didn't really come with tough hardball questions. Like I would have loved for somebody to ask him. Why did you take your foot off the gas brake in the second half? Why did you stop the blitz packages? Why, you know, did you play this cushion zone coverage 17 points up? You let the lines back into the game. Why? Why did you do that? I still don't know. Maybe the media will ask them. I don't know. I'm not there. It's worth asking, I think. So to me, it's like, hey, you've got a new inexperienced offensive coordinator who I think is doing good. You've got a defensive coordinator who's never called plays in his life. And then, you know, I took a look at the the Vikings coaching staff. Like they're littered. They're littered with experienced coaches, former head coaches. Where is that on this Eagle staff? Where is that on coach Sariani's staff? You know, he made me chuckle the other day. I don't know if you guys saw it at the end of his press conference. Somebody asked him about mentors. And in fact, the question did come up. Should you have an experienced ex-head coach? Should you have a soundboard on the sideline, someone that's kind of been in that chair? And he said, you know, thanks for asking me that question because I have so many great mentors. <laughs> I have so many great mentors. And uh, the first one he threw out was Jay Wright. I'm so lucky to have Jay Wright as a mentor, you know? I'm so happy he's an Eagles fan because I get to call up a basketball coach. I get to call a college basketball coach and ask him about coaching. Well, but wait, there's more. It gets better. Then he name drops Todd Haley. 
<laughs> Todd Haley. Well, you know, Todd Haley, he's a great mentor of mine. I love, he, he actually said, I'm so glad you asked the question because I love talking braggadocious about my mentors. Todd Haley, Todd Haley's your mentor. Wow. Now, listen, good coach. Comes from a football. Fan. What has Todd Haley won? <laughs> what has Todd Haley won that he's this great mentor now for Nick Sariani? So, you know, at some point, the media's got to wake up and stop blaming the personnel and understand it's it's got to do with coaching just a little bit, right? And luckily, Dan Campbell, the cheerleader, gifted a W to Nick Sariani because. You know, Dan Campbell, believe it or not, is actually not a good coach. Not a good coach. Did you see the game management? Not a good coach, Dan Campbell. In fact, Chris Spielman, I think, could be making a move there after the season. If this team, if the Detroit Lions don't win at least five games, I don't know. Dan Campbell might not last a year. Just saying. Now, on the flip side... I said, uh, you know, let me let me just go see what uh, first-year head coach Kevin O'Connell did with his staff, right? Kevin O'Connell. <laughs> How is a defensive coordinator, not a first-time defensive coordinator, since O'Connell's this great offensive mind for the Sean McVay tree. He was down there in Jay Gruden at Washington, and he's great, this great offensive mind. So you know what he says? Much like Nick Sariani, I don't know defense. Let me hire somebody who does. Not an inexperienced first-time defensive coordinator. No, let me go hire Ed Donatel, who, oh, by the way, has 31 years of experience. 31. 31 years of experience as his defensive coordinator. He's coached guys like Champ Bailey, Brian Dawkins in Denver, Steve Atwater, Ronnie Lott. I mean, the guy has just breeded Hall of Fame talent around him, has coached it, has lived it. I mean, you talk about three decades of experience as your defensive coordinator. Oh, by the way, <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, you know, I'll, you know, and this is what I don't understand about the Eagles coaching staff. Like, you have a salary cap that prevents you from signing so many players. There's no salary cap on coaches. Why don't you go get a Mike Pettin like Kevin O'Connell did? Give him assistant head coach title. Who cares what his title is? You got a former head coach sitting next to you, Mike Patton. That's what Kevin O'Connell did. I like that. Former Jets head coach. O'Connell and, and Patton were together in Cleveland. And, oh, by the way, he's got 28 years of coaching experience, that Mike Patton. So between Donatel and Patton, 60 years of experience to help on the defensive side of the ball. That is what you call a coaching step. Oh, by the way, <laughs> just for good measure, let's hire Greg Minuski as our linebacker coach. Wow, what an asset. What an asset. So Greg Minuski has coached 19 years in the NFL. He's played another 12 years in the NFL. He's got 32 years of NFL experience. So three coaches with close to a hundred years of coaching experience to help the defense because Kevin O'Connell knows what he doesn't know. Kevin O'Connell actually gets it. Kevin O'Connell said, you know what? Maybe I should bring in some experience. You know what? 
my first head coaching gig. Maybe I should bring in a former head coach. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. And Minuski has been a defensive coordinator. He spent the last two years at Kentucky as an assistant. But before that, he was the Washington Commanders defensive coordinator. He's also been defensive coordinator for the Colts, the Chargers, the 49ers. Like, the man knows defense. Mike Pettin, Ed Donatel. Like, the defense is in good hands because they're experienced. So you can install the Vic Fangio defense, but if you don't know how to run it, then you're going to get a result like you saw on Sunday, which was poor, poor execution, bad game plan in the second half, combined with terrible fundamentals, most notably tackling 15 missed tackles. You want to lead the league in the NFL or something? That's not the stat to do it. Now, I'll give Gannon credit. Very calm. Very smooth talker right? Deflects the questions, takes some, you know, very calculated answers. His answers almost come across as rehearsed. Like, all right, well, if I get a question on this topic, here's my generic for that. If I get a question on that topic, here's my generic for this. Like, spare me the coach speak. It's all good. But at least he acknowledged like, hey, we got to get better. It's on me to adapt and adjust. And so now that you took on that responsibility, coach, we're going to expect you to make the necessary adjustments. Now, I'm not there at practice. You know what I would have been doing all day today? Tackling 101. Tackling 101. Sometimes you got to start from the from the beginning. Sometimes you got to start from the scrap heap. Sometimes you got to start from the basics. Because you didn't teach it in training camp. You didn't do it in training camp. And it showed. It showed on Sunday. And I got news for you. Dalvin Cook right now. Let Dalvin Cook. He's 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 salivating watching that film. He's salivating. That's a hard, hard-nosed, downhill type of runner. I would bet to argue there's not many running backs that make defenders miss or break more tackles than Dalvin Cook. If there is, there's not many that do. There's not many that do. And you thought the, you thought DeAndre Swift was a good running back. Wait until you get a load of Dalvin Cook. Okay? Wait until you get a load of Dalvin Cook on that defensive line, which was an embarrassment, an embarrassment of riches. I don't even want to add up how much money is accounted for on that defensive line embarrassing you know and we keep saying jordan davis should get on the field more and more you know what there's some actually there's actually some bad film floating around on jordan davis that i wasn't aware of and uh shout out to our guy uh jordan reisman uh from uh the panthers that we had on or the lions he put a film up on uh logan stenberg the third string offensive guard for the Lions last week, he took out like three or four Eagles defenders on one run play, including Jordan Davis, who he just blew up, you know, hit him from the blind side. So Jordan Davis still playing with his head on a swivel a little bit. Probably why Marlon Tuapola Toto is, is playing as much as he did. And he played pretty well 
So, you know what? I haven't had time to go back and rewatch the all 22. I will. I'll see what I see. But to me, you know, maybe, maybe we're too quick to give Jordan Davis a pat on the back. I got to go back and check the videotape as Warner Wolf might say, but the personnel, the scheme has got to change. Stop rewarding guys just because they work hard. Stop rewarding guys just because they give you a lot of effort and practice because, you know, I'm looking at guys, TJ Edwards, hundred percent snap count, Marcus Epps, hundred percent snap count. They even got TJ Edwards playing special teams. I mean, this guy, you know, they drafted Nakobe Dean. I watched Dean and Edwards coming out different players. Nakobe Dean, obviously a little bit smaller. I would tend to disagree with the guest that was on Mac and Mac. He's not a great, coverage linebacker that was actually one of the areas of concern coming out he he is somewhat smaller and he can do it but it's not it's not an area of strength unless he really got good during training camp obviously he didn't get good enough because he only played three snaps but for everything that i heard about nakobe dean you talk to the georgia coaches you talk to the scouting community he's so smart he's so smart he's so smart well is he not picking up the playbook? Is he not talented enough? Like I would have loved for the media to ask why Nicobe Dean is only playing three snaps. Why? And do you anticipate him playing more as part of your adjustments? Because you said you got to clean some things up, coach. Does that mean tackling? Does that mean schematics? Does that mean personnel? Very vague with what you said, what needs to be cleaned up. We'll see. By the way, we talked about the uh, Derek Barnett injury yesterday. The Eagles making a transaction on the newswire. A little bit of gamesmanship, maybe. A little bit of gamesmanship by uh, Howie Roseman here because they signed Janarius Robinson off of the Vikings practice squad. Now, a fourth-round pick in his own right in 2021 hasn't been able to get on the field for the Vikings. I know one thing, he's not going to see the field for the Eagles this week. So they didn't sign him to play. They didn't sign Janarius Robinson to play. Why do you think they signed Janarius Robinson? What do you think? Try to pick that brain a little bit. Try to get a little edge. Eagles feeling a little pressure, maybe. Looking at that Vegas line, two and a half at home against what was statistically the most balanced offense in the NFL in week one. Maybe he's trying to pick Janarius Robinson's brain a little bit because this guy's never played a down in the NFL. You know, I went back to the NFL draft Bible scouting report. You know, he came out six foot five, 266. So he's got great size. Florida native knows for the ball sheds blocks. Well, sets the edge, long arms, low pad level, technical feet, but lacks hip and ankle flexibility. That's kind of a big deal when you're trying to play the edge at the next level. So there's his downfall, flexibility. So, you know, what he did do well at Florida State was setting the edge and stuffing the run as a 4-3 defensive end. He actually plays pretty well against the run. He had 104 tackles in 34 games at Florida State, 20 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. 
And, you know, the athleticism is there. Size, athleticism, lacks flexibility. Especially in the hips and the ankles, which, as you guys probably know, when you're living on the edge, trying to get after the quarterback, you need to bend, you need to dip, okay? So, Janarius Robinson signed off of the Vikings practice squad yesterday. Oh, by the way, uh, Zach McPherson, NFC (laughs) Special Teams Player of the Week. Dan Campbell is the gift that keeps giving. Thanks, Dan. He gifted the award to Zach McPherson. Now, listen, I just, I kid, I joke, but he made a good play. Um, I thought it was notable that, you know, McPherson recovered that onside kick. Uh, Special teams coach Michael Clay said, give McPherson kudos because he really was kind of the only player on the Eagles return unit that recognized the onside kick, he said, uh, McPherson told him afterwards he noticed the kicker had a little different trot when he was running up, kicking the ball, a little different pace than the previous kickoffs. And he picked up on that. He was ready. Uh, he was in a, a very similar situation at Texas Tech where he got lit up and he said, I, wa- I just wanted to make sure I held on to the ball and eat the hit. And Zach McPherson, you did. You are. NFL week one, NFC, special teams player of the week. Stand up. Now play some coverage because <laughs> you're going to have your hands full with uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. It's going to be a heck of a matchup. And I want to get into that. We got Glenn Irby coming up in just a few minutes, Kayla Santiago in a second hour, but. On paper, man, what a what an evenly matched team. Because I'll get more into the Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts debate, but just take a look at these wide receivers. We have a few minutes here. Like what I was thinking about it. Would you rather have now? I know all the Eagles want Justin Jefferson, but let's just talk about today. Would you rather have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen or AJ Brown and Devontae Smith? It's a good question. It's a good question because to me, I want the ace. The ace is Justin Jefferson because the ace trumps all, right? Justin Jefferson, best player of the four. A.J. Brown loved you week one. Going to be a stud here in Philly, no doubt about it. And I agree, probably the best receiver since T.O. in Philadelphia. Still a lot of football left to play, but – I don't know. I would probably lean like I think Devonta Smith is better than Adam Thielen at this point of his career. But Thielen, like my man had like. Like Thielen is not the same player. In terms of quickness and speed. But he's a better player in terms of savvy and smarts. Right. Because my man, all he does. Sniff out the end zone like, yo, he had 10 touchdowns last year. The year before he had 14. Oh, by the way, he's a two-time pro bowler. So I guess as good as the Eagles wide receivers are, I'm going with the Vikings squad, man. That's a heck of a one-two tandem. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Is there a better one-two punch in the NFL right now? Who would you put above Jefferson and Thielen? 
Maybe I'm overvaluing Adam Thielen. I don't know. A guy that has 24 touchdowns in two the past two years? Sign me up. Justin Jefferson? I'm, I'm going to tell you like this. The best wide receiver in the NFL right now at 1025 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday, September 14th, I hate to tell you, it's Justin Jefferson. He's the best receiver in the league. Give me the Vikings combination. I'd love I'd love to know who's better than that two, one-two punch. Maybe it is A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, but they got to go out and prove it first. I'm not just going <laughs> to hand it to them. You got to show me. You got to show me. And I want to see the balance, right? The more balanced attack. I think Devonta Smith will get his in this week against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. I really do. And the Vikings, it'll be interesting to see how they game plan for A.J. Brown. Do they do double-team coverage? I think I saw like 50% of his snaps were lined up in the slot last week, A.J. Brown. And on the flip side, Justin Jefferson is another guy. They move him inside. They move him outside. They line him up X, Y, Z all over the field. That came up in Gannon's press conference, I think, in terms of, okay, well, if you have Slay on Jefferson, what do you do when when the Vikings start moving him around on switching sides of the field, putting him in the slot? If you're going to have just Slay follow him all game, well, maybe you are tipping your hand with some of the schematics and coverage on defense. Something worth noting. I know we talked about it with Tone yesterday on the show. Like, you know, there might be some situations where Avante Maddox suddenly winds up on Justin Jefferson. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Well, we'll see how Glenn Irby feels about it right after this break. It's the football playbook here, Wednesday, September 14th. All right, see you in the place to be. Rick Saratella telling it like it is when it comes to Philadelphia Eagles football. Going to pay some bills. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. 
and keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Back at it again. It's football playbook RIC and a place to be checking in from the Jersey Shore broadcasting around the universe talking Philadelphia Eagles football it's what we do at the football playbook here with you today uh so you know we got Vikings week Monday night football the link is going to be packed it's going to be rowdy it's going to be on and popping at the gallery down at the Ocean Casino for pre and post game and Glenn Irby will be on location for your Philadelphia Eagles. He joins us right now on the football playbook. Of course, USA Today, Eagles Wire. Good morning, Glenn. How are you doing today? Good, Rick. How are you feeling this morning? You know what? I'm feeling like this is going to be a close matchup with the Vikings on paper. I don't know if the Eagles have a clear advantage. I think they're two very evenly matched teams, and I want to get your perspective on that. But first... Let's get your recap on with the Lions game. We haven't had you on since the week one affair. I know you handed out some grades right. uh, over there on the Eagles newswire. So tell me what you liked. Tell me what you didn't like. Tell me uh, the Glenn Irby recap of the Eagles-Lions week one matchup. Well, I think on offense, we all liked what Jalen Hurts was able to do. I think, you know, he was steady. I mean, you'll have some say he had an up-and-down performance, but I think, you know, he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't have too many negative plays. You like what you saw with him and A.J. Brown. That was expected. I don't like what I saw with Devontae having no catches and Quez having no targets. So I think that's something that they'll eventually have to clean up, and I think that's more about play calling and, and scheme and things of that nature. I like the way Miles Sanders ran the ball. I think he ran with physicality. I think he's, he's out to prove a point, so I can appreciate that. I like the way the offensive line – Played. I like the way Shane, Shane Steichen called the game. So on offense, everything was pretty solid. I think most of the disappointment or concern, you know, comes from the defensive side of the ball, and that's you know the missed tackles, the, you know, the passive zone coverage, things of that nature. Yeah, and we talked about fifteen missed tackles, most in the NFL. Correct. And that's a byproduct of the club med atmosphere that Nick Sariani installed in training camp, is it not? I think so, and I think some of that is about coaching and effort as well. I mean, I think the players did a good job of taking ownership of what happened. You know, I think, you know, Jonathan Cannon, he can put them in all in the, the proper scheme. He can put them all in the proper position, but if they don't make tackles, they don't make plays, then it's off and off anyway. So I think you'll see a better job 
in week two. But like you said, they only the, the starters only played one series, I think, this preseason. So I think it'll take a couple of games for the defense to catch up. Yeah, and remember they did that um split squad scrimmage with with the Dolphins down there Correct. in Miami. They had one of the days canceled because the Dolphins caught some kind of illness. So that was really supposed to be some live in-game reps for the starters. And so they got cheated that day. But to me, it goes back to like, you want to hold 60 minute practices, really? You know, don't be surprised when the heat comes at you <laughs> and while we're looking at each other, like, Hey, what's going on? Well, and I don't think it's just an Eagles problem. It's an NFL problem because a lot of teams are, are guilty of this, but the Eagles are most guilty because they were the worst tackling defense in the nfl last year and as you know glenn dalvin cook ain't nothing to play with no not at all i think they'll they'll definitely have to get that cleaned up i think when you look back on the prior three or four years they were one of the most injured teams in the league so the assumption was as soon as sirianni came that was going to change so i think from a health standpoint you can feel good about the fact that we we entered the last two seasons as one of the healthier teams in the NFL. But from a, a tackling standpoint, a fundamental standpoint, that has to get cleaned up. But that's something Sirianni preaches and he harps on. Yeah, well, you got to the start line healthy, but you just lost a player for the year, maybe because you didn't hit, maybe because they weren't ready, maybe because they were playing timid in training camp. So Derek Barnett is down. I saw you wrote an article about Janarius Robinson, who they signed off of the Vikings practice squad. Correct. I gave a little scouting report on him coming out of Florida State. What is your take? Was this was this to sign up and play, or was this to sign up and gather intel? I think a little bit of both. I think over the last two off-seasons, two seasons, you see Howie Roseman and the Eagles turning more towards pedigree. So no more – taking shots on or trying to be the smartest guy in the room. At this point, you know, Robinson went to FSU. You know, there's pedigree there. You know, there's history there. He didn't stuff the stat sheet, but he's athletic. He, he's a, a taller version of Josh Sweat, if you could say. So from that standpoint, there's potential there. And he was drafted fourth and fifth round, you know, in the same area, Milton Williams and those guys. So there is potential plus intel as well. A little bit of both, I think. We got Glenn Irby here, USA Today Eagles Newswire. Glenn, uh, put – Put your Jonathan Gannon thinking cap on here uh, for week two, and let's just talk about that defensive line that was, quite frankly, a disgrace and an embarrassment, I felt. Right. And you were a very uh, generous grader, by the way. I think you gave him a C with, with your marks. I gave him an F because, to me, there's so much money invested in that defensive line to not show up and get gashed the way they did and get carried into the end zone on some of those runs and – get manhandled by third string guards. Like that's just unacceptable. So I don't think Janarius Robinson is going to be up to speed to play this week. They've got to figure out this defensive line rotation, both on the interior and on the outside. Correct. How does Glenn Irby play? Do you put one of these inside guys out on the edge if need be? Do you play Jordan Davis more? Is Teron Jackson getting elevated from the practice squad? Like there's some tinkering that needs to be done with this defensive line. I think so. And I think before we move to week two, we have to understand that even though we're talking about the Lions, the book and tackles are pretty good. So you have Sewell. He's good. Taylor Decker is a pretty good tackle. So I think from that standpoint, we may have, we may have overreacted a bit in terms of the lack of pass rush and things like that. But I think this week in terms of obvious rundowns, you have to play Jordan Davis more than 22 downs. He's an athletic player. So it doesn't we don't necessarily have to have him in there on obvious rundowns either. But he has to play more than 22. So even if you 
take two snaps from Hargrave, you take two snaps from Fletcher, that's four. That gets him close to 30. I think you have to rush Hassan Reddick more as a pass rusher. You know, he dropped in the coverage three or four times, and that's fine. You don't want to show your hand, but you have to, to utilize him and have him do what he does best. I think you'll see Teron Jackson get um, elevated this week, or he'll be active. He's a pretty good pass rusher as well. So I think Gannon last year did a good job of responding when facing adversity, responding the following week after this disaster. So I think you'll see a more aggressive unit, and they'll have to be more aggressive, especially, you know, with Kirk. You can't let Kirk Cousins stand back there and just pick you apart. No, that's exactly right. And you've got to pressure this man. And I hope I hope he watched uh, some of this Vikings game from last week because this is not a world-beater offensive line by any means. No, correct. They, they, you know, and it's all homegrown. They don't have a guy – they don't have a guy older than 27. Every pick on this uh, offensive line was a first or second round pick. Now, they haven't exactly played to that level. Garrett Bradbury is teetering bust label. They flirted with J.C. Treader in the offseason. Bradbury's been a disaster. Ed Ingram, the rookie out of LSU, a lot of responsibility placed on him as a rookie starter. They just bull rushed him, uh, from my understanding, and – he allowed a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on the interior. And again, the interior of this defensive line or the offensive line for the Vikings is a big weakness. If the if the Eagles don't blitz more, well, then the seat must get hotter for Jonathan Gannon, no? I think so. I think, you know, he, he's really stuck with the idea that he has a defensive line rotation, and that's fine. I just think that the idea of Jordan Davis being the last defensive tackle in that rotation is ludicrous, and not just because he's a first-round pick, but maybe because he's the most athletic and the most powerful of all five. So he has to get more reps. I think you have to have a situation where there's more pressure off the edge, and then you'll have the situation where the edge rushers and the defensive tackles, they all complement each other. And he may not have to blitz that much, but he definitely has to get pressure from Josh Sweat. Brandon Graham could play a few more plays as well. I know he's coming back from Achilles' injury. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, talk about the defensive line uh, and Hassan Reddick, you know, kind of playing uh, on that line of scrimmage. And you, you mentioned tipping the hand on the defensive scheme. Correct. Pending alignments. I know Justin Jefferson, oh, by the way, averaged 20 yards per catch and had a pair of touchdowns last week. Like, you're not going to stop him. You can only hope to contain him, right? But right. the big thing with Jefferson is, he moves around like almost every single snap. He's in a different side. He's inside. He's outside. He's left. He's right. I understand like you want to have Darius Slay on him as much as possible, but you talked about tipping the hand. Like if Jefferson's moving all over the field and Slay is following him, then maybe the, the Eagles are tipping their hand defensively. How do you play that matchup? Do you want Slay on Jefferson no matter what? Cause he's you, you top cover corner or if Jefferson slides in the slot, you cool with Avante Maddox manning him up? Like, how do you play that situation? I think in certain situations, we're okay with Slay traveling. I think last week, um, the Vikings in 60% of their, maybe 60 to 70% of their situations, they ended up getting Jefferson on a linebacker or safety. So no matter mm -hmm. what the Eagles do, they definitely can't do that. So it can't be a situation where it's Marcus Epps or it's Kaiser White or it's someone one-on-one. -on -one. So if you have a situation where it's Maddox, you can play that. You play that out, leave Slay and Bradbury on the corners, allow Maddox to play, but make sure you have either Epps or Gardner Johnson over the top. So I think it's just a situation of where you account for him, but don't allow him to be one-on-one -on -one with linebackers or safeties. Good points. Uh, 
I'd be scared if that happens. That that's that's probably why Jefferson shredded them so much. If he if he's matched up on linebackers and safeties, it's just about game over. He can mail it in. Uh, speaking of safeties, you mentioned Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who I thought played very well considering the circumstances. Only ten days in town, played the majority of the snaps. I would even argue uh, for as much good as Mar- Marcus Epps had, there were some plays there that concerned me. Uh, how do you kind of grade the save? What, what, what kind of grade did you give the secondary in your uh, week one grades there on the Eagles newswire? I like them both. I gave the secondary a B. Of course, I think the corners played well. I think you have a situation where Maddox may have had his worst game as a pro from a tackling standpoint, so you want to clean that up. Epps struggled some in coverage, but we like his physicality. So I think you'll see a situation where as, as, as C.J. Gardner Johnson continues to pick up the defense and they put him in a situation where, where he's able to flourish, you'll see him more in coverage, allow Epps to be more in the box. But in terms of the overall five, and then you include McPherson, it's a really solid group. But I think it's just about tackling better and Epps doing better in pass coverage. Yeah, you mentioned McPherson, NFC uh, Special Teams Player of the Week there. And – you know, uh, the other guy on defense I want to ask you about is Nakobe Dean. I mean, this guy outside of the injury was considered a first round talent. The Georgia coaches raved about his DNA, his football acumen, a uh, very cerebral player. Why? Why? I mean, what are you hearing? What do you what do you think? Why is he only getting on the field for three snaps? I get it, he's a rookie, but shouldn't he be further along than this? That's not necessarily. I mean, the Eagles have good depth, and they have really solid depth at the linebacker position now. So for the first time in in years, maybe 20 years, it's not a bad problem to have. So I think it's a situation where for most of the summer preseason, T.J. Edwards was probably the the one or number two, you know, the the top defensive player on that unit anyway. So it's not as Dean did not play him, and we're not going to give Dean his spot you know, for no reason. So it's a good thing. If he had to start, then we'd be sitting here criticizing for not being able to shed blocks and different things like that. So I think Edwards is outstanding at middle linebacker. He's improved in pass coverage. Kaiser White was solid. He played a huge part in the pick six to a big block after deflecting the pass, did well in the running game. So I think it's a situation where you'll see Nicobe Dean play more. Injuries happen. You could put him out on the wheel as well. As he gets better at pass rushing, maybe you can play him at Sam also. But I think it's just his first game. Same with Jordan Davis, their rookies. They'll get more playing time. Yeah, and, you know, I think on that Kaiser White tipped pass that Bradbury returned to the house, I believe Marlon T was in on the pass rush there. Correct. He's improved also. Yeah, and, and the Eagles blitzed, and they created a turnover off of the blitz. And that's what we need to see more of, Mr. Gannon, right? I mean, uh, so, you know, all eyes to me going into week two, Philadelphia is a pressure market. That's part of the gig when you sign the the bottom line. It comes with the territory. I think there's more pressure on Jonathan Gannon than any member of the organization in week two. Agree or disagree? I think so. I mean, I think the first year you allow some of those things to happen because they didn't have the personnel. That personnel has been upgraded. So I understand he has a certain way that he likes to play. They like to keep things in front, prevent the big play. That's fine. But when you still try to do that and give up 35 points, there's going to be a discussion. So you get past the whole coaching candidate thing keep things in front of you, but they have to make stops. They have to get off the field and vert down, and they can't give up 35 to Minnesota. Last question about the Lions, Glenn. I'm curious what your thoughts are because the Eagles blew them out of the water last year, 44-6, right? This year, a lot of optimism, 
Hard Knocks hype, sold out crowd, week one in Detroit. Are we knocking the Eagles too much? Like, are are this is this Lions team a better product than a year ago? Are you buying into what Dan Campbell's selling up there in Detroit? For sure, they're a much better team. They're a much physical team on offense. They're they're kind of the same on offense, but on defense, they're much more physical. Aiden Hutchinson played well. You may you know he didn't have the numbers, but in terms of his pressure, they moved them all along the line of scrimmage. Uh, the middle linebacker Rodriguez, Rodrigo from Hard Knocks. He played well. He was physical at the point of attack. So they, they played well. The Eagles, I think, blew a 17-point lead or twice got up by as much as 17. So yeah. from that standpoint, it, it should have been over by the half, maybe the, the, the early third quarter. But they're ascending team, and, and they'll they'll have more wins than they did last year. So they played well, but I think it was also a situation where you had a defense that hadn't played together in a game atmosphere for the first time. The fourth field was sold out. So a lot of things went into it, but it, it's good to see that we faced that versus well. They persevered. Jalen Hurts was under control, and they'll get it figured out. Yeah, I think they took the Lions' best shot, right? They got punched in the mouth, and they withstood oh, it. So right. at the end of the day, you know, the, the most uh, common phrase I heard out of hey, a W is a W, right? We'll For take sure. it. And you're off and running, 1-0. Uh, Glenn Irby here from the Eagles Newswire, Rick Saratella, football playbook, breaking it down, chopping it up. Let's turn the page over to the offense, Glenn. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Hurts played well. I agree. Uh, we saw in the presser, you know, the common theme seems to be like, hey, let's not overcomplicate things here for Jalen, which is okay. And I heard Steichen even say yesterday, like, we're really not asking him to do more than two or three reads. And that third read, a lot of times tucking it and running it is the better option than progressing to your third read. Are you cool with this for the rest of the year? Do you want to see more pocket passing? Or would you rather just say, hey, this is what it is. If Jalen's got to run it 17 times a game, we're going to run with that until the wheels fall off. And that's just what our offense is. I'm fine. I think the Eagles have to determine if they're fine this year and going forward. If you want a, a Justin Herbert type passer or a pocket passer, then you may have to, you know, check out CJ Stroud or, you know, wait for the draft. If you're okay with the quarterback being efficient, doing with, taking what the defense gives him and putting you in the best chance to win, that's what he did. So, I mean, that the conversation during the, during the summer and last season was about him taking off too early. For the most part, he didn't do that. He ran when he had to. He ran when the play broke down and the plays were efficient and they were positive plays. So I think it's a situation of Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman trying to figure out what they want from the quarterback position and how they want it to go. But in terms of if you want a Lamar Jackson or if you want to approach it the way the Ravens do and you just want to win and it's just about winning, let him do what he do. Now, he, he definitely needs to figure out how to get his other receivers involved, and I think a lot of that was just about the defense and what was given to him. But in terms of being efficient, not having negative plays, he didn't turn the ball over, he did what he had to do. Well, I think that's the big thing with Jalen Hurts. He's a smart decision maker, does not turn the ball often, uh, over very often. Correct. Now, there were some miscues there in week one. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It was loud. It was week one. A couple times they had, I think, 12 men in the huddle. A couple times the play clock ran down. Hey, week one, we're working out the kinks. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there. But, you know, we talk about on paper this Vikings team very evenly matched up. <laughs> I look at Kirk Cousins, and half of me says, how the hell is this guy making $40 million a year? 
The other half of me says, well, if you want competent quarterback play, you got to overpay. And I say competent with a grain of salt because coming into the year, this guy was 59, 59 and two career 500 quarterback. Jalen Hurts is a winning quarterback. However, you know, I think they gave him the extension one year extension during the offseason. So he's making 40 million this year, 30 million next year comes out to, you know, 35 million a year. Eagles fans love what Jalen Hurts is doing at $2 million a year. Now you attach a $35 million price tag. Are Eagles fans going to be as happy with the results and the product that they're seeing? Are are you going to feel comfortable doling out that kind of money to a Jalen Hurts? I will. I think fans and some of the pundits won't, but I think you have to understand quarterbacks are going to get paid if they get paid. So when you start talking about what Wentz makes, I think Jared Goff makes $32 million. So at that point, when you start talking about that number, it's going to be there regardless. So I, I think, it's, again, it's a situation of what you want and how you want it. If you want him to win, if you want wins, he's going to give you that. He's not going to turn the ball over. If you want the ball thrown all over the field, you know, massive passing numbers, you may have to take a look at that. But I think when you talk about Kirk Cousins, he's a pretty solid quarterback. He gives you a chance to win at, at best. Now, you don't have to put a defense around him. You don't have to make sure he's not pressured from the outside. But in terms of you're giving you a quarterback that gives you a chance to win with a nice arm, that's what he does. Yeah, you know, and you have to overpay. That's just the bottom line because this, this guy, I mean, he's 33 years old, I think. Believe it or not, he's won 10 games once in his whole entire career. He's, he's won 10 games just once. So, you know, you mentioned Carson Wentz. He's on a four-year deal for $128 million. And it's a discount for whatever that team is. has it. You're right. You're right. And and so the Eagles chose Hurts over Wentz. So at the very minimum, they've got to they've – if they're going to look to extend Hurts after this year – it's got to be at least $32 million plus a dollar. So whatever, you're going to start at 32.1. <laughs> you're right. So that's the that's the starting point probably even higher than that. Four years, $128 million. It's like if I'm Nicole Lynn, Jalen Hurts agent, it's like, wait a second, wait a second. You guys picked Jalen over Carson. So he's got to be worth more than Carson, and Carson Wentz is getting paid. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that's decision. That's the decision the Eagles have to make, and that's why I said you you, you can you have weapons on offense. You have a, a ton of weapons on offense. Now they have to take a look and decide if they want a quarterback that'll just win, maybe, or do you want to let him move on? And now you're talking about a new quarterback on a rookie deal. And you still have four years of another quarterback on a rookie deal with awesome talent around him. So it, it's going to be interesting, and it won't be decided over the next few weeks. This is going to play out, and it, he's going to have to pass for over 4,000 yards, I think. He's going to have to win a playoff game. Like, he's going to really have to make Howie Roseman feel like he can't get a better passer in this upcoming draft. And they start rattling off some wins in the playoffs, that's going to be that's, a That's different. different. Now we're, we're, we're getting up to close to $40 million. So he has a chance to make a lot of money, or, or he'll just be, you know, a regular guy. So it's all on him. All right, let's keep it on offense. Uh, obviously, the passing attack needs to, you know, divvy up the targets a little bit better there. I think that'll work its way out naturally over time. For sure. Uh, what about the backfield by committee situation? I thought Boston Scott played a little bit, you know, more than anticipated. Usually he's a guy that gets more involved when there's injuries. 
We saw him right out of the gate, you know, four players, four different rushing touchdowns. Hasn't happened in 60 years. Do you think this is the best way to maximize Miles Sanders' durability and dependability? Kind of, yes. I think the idea is you would hope that, like I said, he's motivated and you hope that 96 yards other last week, he comes out and gets another 96. He's never had a 1,000-yard season. Like, he averages – five point something yards per carry. He's averaging 6.8 yards per carry now. He's never went over a thousand. So I think the idea and the hope is that he just takes it and you can give him 20 carries a game and we'll see what happens. Because even if he does get hurt, you have Boston Scott, you have Gangwell, and you still have Trey Sermons on the roster. And it, this offense, like we talked about a few weeks ago, the offensive line is the best in the league. It's going to travel. It's going to go anywhere. So you technically can run with anyone as long as the line is healthy. So you would you would like for him to just take it by the hope that you're gonna take the reins, become this 1,200 yard back, and you can pay him too, but it'll work itself out regardless, committee or Sanders. Yeah, you mentioned the offensive line as good as it gets. They all played 100% snaps. Uh, you know, unlike the defensive line who was gassed, right. the offensive line was ready to go, rip roaring, ready to go, and now. I alluded to it earlier in the show before you popped on. Ed Donatel comes in, changes this uh, Viking scheme from Mike Zimmer's uh, 4-3 to a new 3-4. Correct. Um, they've got a very rotational defensive front with Daniil Hunter, who we saw a big sack last week. Uh, Zadarius Smith, also a sack last week. He's kind of the juice of this defense, but you've got two pass rushers now in this new Vikings vaunted 34 defense. Oh, by the way, Harrison Smith in the back end, the only player in the NFL with 30 interceptions and 15 sacks, as good as it gets when it comes at safety. How do you kind of game plan for this pass rush? This There's only one week of film on it. So what you got last week is really all you can prepare for. Otherwise, you know, it's kind of a little bit unknown coming into this matchup. I think it's a situation where you'll you'll let Lane Johnson do what he does at right tackle, so you don't really have to help him. You may have to give Sumalo some help. Um, you could lean some way towards Malata last week because he struggled somewhat with Hutchinson's speed and strength off the edge. But I think in terms of picking up any type of, of blitz or any type of pass rush, they'll be fine. I think you'll see Harrison Smith play Jalen Hurts' personal shadow this week. So I think you would look for that in terms of him walking down into the box, being hurt spy. But other than that, I think they'll bring their pressure. They'll see what they can do in terms of rattling, but too much pressure allows him to get out. So I think you may also see a situation where they they hold up on the pass rush some and see if he can win from the pocket. So I think you'll see that early on first. Oh, by the way, before we let you go, I got to mention our good friend Jordan Hicks. Did you see him last week? I mean, I did. What, what's going on? Is he drinking from the fountain? Of you? Like 14 tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, a quarterback hit. Like Jordan Hicks might have been their best player last week. I think if you, you take away that the injury concerns he had here, he's been pretty durable. After he left here, he went to Arizona. He lost out on the numbers game and then and went to the Vikings. So like we talked about earlier, the durable he had durability issues here. From there, it's M. Kendricks. You know, it's a pretty good defense. So we'll see. It'll be a pretty good matchup. Yeah, Hicks and Kendricks, man in the middle there uh, in that new 34 scheme. This is going to be a heck of a matchup, Glenn. I know uh, we won't have you back until next week. Two and a half, says Vegas. How does uh, Glenn Irby see it? 
Monday Night Football. I think Hassan Reddick's home, A.J. Brown's hype. I think the, the Eagles' offense is, is, is spectacular. I think if, if Hurts can simply just make sure to, to keep his other guys involved, there's nothing they can't do. But I think Cousins can be had on the road. He'll be on the road. I like the Eagles 35-31 in the shootout. Okay. Another high-scoring affair. Oh, by the way, Reddick had a monster game against the Vikings last year for Carolina. Indeed. Hopefully he rekindles that magic because uh, – only place I saw him was on the back of my milk cart and eating cereal, Glenn. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. What do you got Appreciate going you. on? What's, Just what's a, coming up at the Eagles Newswire there on USA Today? A long week of Vikings hype. So most of the day tomorrow will be about Justin Edwards, you know, letting fans rekindle and think about what could have been. I mean, we do have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, but – if he had just put that card in and not worried about who could play the slot and who could Carson Wentz could still be here, it could just be a whole different situation. But a whole lot of, you know, Vikings type, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Breaker, just previewing the game. All right. Well, we'll come back next week. We'll pop you on. We'll talk about it. We'll break it down. We'll chop it up. And uh, we always appreciate the time, Glenn. Appreciate you having me, Rick. Thank you. All right. There you go. Glenn Irby, Eagles Newswire, USA Today. Always with a great job. Content overflow over there if you want to get ready uh, for this Eagles vikings monday night football at the link it's going to be a wild wild atmosphere uh the dirty birds are going to be out and cranking it so uh hey we're just getting started i can't believe we got an hour of power in the books another hour of power to go going to take a quick commercial break thank you tone in the chat make sure you smash that like button we got more eagles talk coming up on the other side kayla santiago checks in on this Wednesday to talk more Eagles football. We'll be back right after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits. 
as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Wood here on the football playbook. Man, this is part 12 already. Our 12th show here on the football playbook with you on this Wednesday, September 14th. Make sure you smash the like button, hit subscribe, get all the show notifications. Jacob Sports is your home for real. Eagles football talk kicking off at 7 a.m. all the way to 6 p.m. We're taking you up to 12 o'clock sports take guys at noon Eastern time here. We got an hour in the books. Got another hour of power to go. And who better to chop it up and break it down than Kayla Santiago joining the football playbook like she does each and every Wednesday here on the Jacob Sports Channel from Delmarva Sports. Of course, Philadelphia's own Kayla. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? After a bird's win, I can't feel any better. <laughs> hey, I know you always got a smile on your face uh, when there's a W on the board. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, listen, we got punched in the mouth. We took their best shot. Still want to know, not the prettiest victory, Kayla, but they got the job done. What are your thoughts and impressions coming off that Lions week one matchup? Well, I love A.J. Brown. I think the pickup looks even better now that we were able to see him in week one. I'm a little bit worried in terms of that rushing defense. And now the whole scheme of John Gannon that we talked about a week ago, he worries me a lot, especially going up against the Vikings who have a really good running back in Dalvin Cook there. That's a little bit worrisome going into the weeks. But overall, I think the defense is definitely a worry. I liked what I saw in the secondary a lot more than I've seen in previous years. But that rushing defense really was lacking. And giving up 30-plus points against the Detroit Lions definitely is a cause for worry. But on the flip side of that, you already see the Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown connection. I liked Hurts' decisions as well week one. I think he can pass a little bit more and make sure that he doesn't injure himself. I would like to see Devontae Smith get more than no receptions a game, especially since he's on my fantasy team as well. But overall, you know, I think I would probably give them a rating 6 out of 10 for week one. A win is a win at the end of the day, but there's some things they definitely have to clean up. No, I would tend to agree. Like, the good news is they got a win. More good news is a lot of room for improvement. Like they did not play their best game by any means. And, you know, let's stick, let's keep it on the offensive side. We talked a lot of defense with Glenn Irby just a minute ago, who thinks it's going to be another high scoring affair. Well, if you're giving up 35 points to the lions, in comes the dreaded Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin cook. I mean, this is a high octane offense. Oh, by the way, very balanced, 32 pass attempts, 28 rushes for new head coach Kevin O'Connell. Uh, the Vikings locker room was all gun ho after the game. 
Vegas sees it very close, two and a half points. On paper, this is very evenly matched up uh, in terms of the Vikings and Eagles. Agree or disagree? I completely agree with that. I think you look at the threats that they have at receiver and tight end there, and I think you say, okay, well, it's the same thing as the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just a matter of if their quarterbacks can get them the ball throughout the game and how much are they willing to throw or how much are they going to use at the ground grain. Now, on the Minnesota Vikings right there, I'm running the ball through the Eagles' throats because you look at Tate from last week and their rush defense was absolutely awful. So you have a guy like Dalvin Cook there. I think that they have to utilize him as much as they can. Now, on the other side, offensively for the Eagles, once again, I think you have to give Devontae Smith more opportunities there. Quez Watkins, I would like to see have a little bit more touches on the ball as well as a receiver. A.J. Brown, of course, is going to get what he can get, and Dallas Goddard as well. But you're absolutely right there. I mean, both of these teams have decent receivers that can really make these teams pay. It's just a matter of the quarterbacks can get them the ball. And both sides a little bit evenly rushing the ball. I think obviously Dalvin Cook's a little bit above Miles Sanders, but both teams can definitely run it through the game too. Yeah, I mean, you could argue Dalvin Cook – I, I have him at, in the upper echelon. Like, I put him yeah. right up there with Derrick Henry. Like, I think Jonathan Taylor is probably the best running back in the league. Uh, Derrick Henry, we'll see. Like, every running back that's ran for 2,000 yards seems to has like, breaks down after that. So, we'll see Derrick Henry look just okay coming off that injury. But, like, to me, there's not there's very few backs who tote the rock that are a true bell cow. Dalvin Cook is it. And they got one of the best backups, too, in Alexander Madison. But Cook played – like 80% of the snaps. Uh, I know he's salivating looking at this Eagles defense. As you mentioned, they gave up 6.5 yards per carry against the Lions. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, he's not a bad pass catcher out of the backfield. Cook had three catches out of the backfield too. So when you take that into consideration, Justin Jefferson, obviously you're not going to stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I talked about it a little bit with Glenn before you came on. You want to have Darius Slay on Jefferson as much as possible. But Gannon mentioned it in his presser yesterday. At some point, you've got to be careful of tipping your hand from the defensive scheme because Jefferson lines up all over the field. If you have Slay, just follow him around. That might not be the most conducive way in terms of playing schematically. So are you comfortable with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in the slot? Avante Maddox, if he gets matched up on Justin Jefferson, or do you just want, hey, Slay, you're on Jefferson. Wherever he goes, just shadow him. How do you play this one? I think you have to put Slay on the best receiver because I think that's the biggest threat that the Eagles are going to have, especially I don't think they're going to be able to pressure Cousins as much this year, at least in the beginning with that defensive line. Now, you talk about Johnson and Maddox. I think Maddox is kind of your next man up if you don't want to move Darius Slay all over the field. But if you're John Gannon right now, I think you at least have to try throughout that first quarter and maybe even in the second, match them up every single time. If that doesn't work out, okay, second half, maybe try to go back to your schemes. But this needs to be a test for Jonathan Gannon to not put too much of his own mind into it, too much of his coaching into it, and too much of what he wants to see versus what the actual matchup needs to be in Darius Slay and Justin Jefferson because realistically he might be the only guy on the Eagles that can stop him. And if you give him any chance and you don't have him on it, it's going to be a long night for Philadelphia. No, you make some good points. And, you know, I think Gannon 
I'll give him credit for taking the responsibility on of saying, hey, we got to clean up some stuff. Stuff? What exactly? Define stuff because I think you took the foot off the gas pedal. You stopped the blitz. The personnel substitutions were questionable at best. I mean, what if Gannon doesn't like come after this offensive line, which is really terrible on the interior. They don't have a starter over the age of 27, really no standouts on that offensive line. Like when he says we got to clean up some things and get better and that's on me, I'm saying like, Hey, never mind a 15% blitz rate. Like we need to be in that 30% blitz rate. Am, Am I wrong? No, I mean, you're right. I think they need to be more aggressive. And that's something that I was yelling at my TV while I'm watching this game because you're almost giving up a lead at this point to the Detroit Lions in week one. And luckily, you know, the onside kick for them was questionable. Maybe they shouldn't have done that in the third quarter and maybe they could have come back. But you realistically could have lost that game just based on your defensive schemes and not being as aggressive. Now, it's week one. And a lot of times Philadelphia fans like to overreact. They like to look at this and say, the student needs to be fired week one. We can't have him anymore. I'm not the biggest fan of him at all, but I want to see what he can do in week two and week three. Is he going to be more aggressive? Is he going to look back at tape and say, we need a blitz even more and get to this quarterback right away because we know the weaknesses on the offensive line of the Vikings? Or is he going to play it safe week in and week out? I think there's room for adjustments with the players, and I also think there is for him. It's just a matter if he's able to do that here in week two. Well, and I said it, you know, right out of the gates on Monday, I think if I'm Nick Sariani, I got Vic Fangio on line one because if I don't see the adjustments, if I don't see the improvement, I need somebody in here who can get the job done, right? Jonathan Gannon, he didn't cut the mustard last week. And so we'll see. Uh, Oh, by the way, you know, the defensive line, they're going to have to do some moving and shaking. How did you feel about the defensive line rotation? A lot of people wanted to see Jordan Davis a little bit more. Now we've got the injury to account for. They signed uh, Janarius Robinson off of the Vikings uh, practice squad, a little gamemanship maybe, but he was a former fourth-round pick out of Florida State. How do you play this defensive line rotation coming into week two? Give me more Jordan Davis, and I think that's what a lot of fans want. I really liked watching him in game one. Now you're playing an even worse probably offensive line in the Minnesota Vikings, not saying that the Detroit Lions line is great, but I think you need to give him more opportunity, especially with the injury right there. Now it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of rotate in and out. You talk about Fletcher Cox being there, had a decent game last week as well. He's going to need to turn it up. I know he's not necessarily in his prime anymore, but he's the guy that they're going to look to to lead, especially with the injury coming in. And, I mean, it's the next man up mentality. Unfortunately, it's already week one, and a lot of teams are having to deal with that and big injuries that are sending guys out for the rest of the season or for six to eight weeks. But more Jordan Davis, please, and thank you. I would like to see on my screen in week two. Yeah, no doubt. I, I want to see more Jordan Davis, too. Marlon T played pretty well. Um, I see here last, last year uh, Hassan Reddick had three tackles for a loss and a fumble recovery against the Vikings. We need him to show up in a big way, getting paid all that money. But let me ask you about Nicobe Dean, because this is a guy that was highly touted coming out of college. Obviously, he had some injury concerns, but from a talent standpoint, um, from an FBI football intelligence standpoint, it was through the roof. TJ Edwards played 100% of the snaps. Are you cool with that? Like, to me, I'd like to see Dean in there a little bit more, or are you okay with the thought process of like, hey, 
He's a rookie, still getting his feet underneath him. When he's ready, he'll play. How do you see the linebacker unit here? Kaiser White, I thought, played a relatively good game overall. I think he had a couple missed tackles. Overall, I thought Kaiser White was solid. TJ Edwards, not only did he play every snap, he also played like seven special team snaps. Like he right. rarely left the field on Sunday. I think the Eagles really like Edwards, and I think this is a guy that they have really liked for the past two years as well with this team. And they're going to give him everything that they can, and they're going to keep pushing him. But I do think that this is the week where N'Kobe Dean can get in there in some snaps. I don't think I want to see him too, too much, especially if you put him in too much, that can lead to a margin of error, and he is only a rookie coming out. You want to make sure that you utilize him the way that you can. But the only way you're going to be able to tell that he's ready is if you put him in a game. Yes, he can practice as much as he wants. Yes, you might want him to gain or lose a little bit more weight, whatever it may be, get a little bit quicker, be able to cover a little bit better. But at the end of the day, the only way you're really going to be able to test that out is if you put him in a game. And I think this is the game to do it as well. You can really see what they can do if they're able to get past that line and figure out where he kind of stands. Like I said, I don't want to see him a lot. I think Edwards can really hammer it down, but we've already seen a lot of injuries in week one. What happens if Edwards has to be sidelined for a few plays or out for a few weeks? Obviously we don't want that to happen, but you need to see where Dean fits in. So I think week two is where you kind of test it out a little bit and see where you can grow from there. All right, we got Kayla Santiago, Delmarva Sports here on the Football Playbook, along with Rick Saratella. Breaking it down, chopping it up is what we do. Brought to you by the Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City. All right, let's shift gears on the offensive side because uh, you mentioned A.J. Johnson, uh, A.J. Brown. He talks a lot of ish, but he backs it up. And he's a physical – he's like a man-child, like just breaking off chunks of yardage, breaking through tackles. And this Vikings secondary is – somewhat physical we mentioned harrison smith is the only player in the nfl there at the safety position but just the only player period to have 30 interceptions 15 sacks he could kind of come up on that line of scrimmage and blitz you um every almost every member of the secondary had six or seven tackles last week uh for the vikings so they're not afraid to get their nose dirty cam dantzler played 90 percent of the snaps he had five tackles harrison smith seven tackles Cam Bynum, the other safety, seven tackles, and good friend Patrick Peterson, six tackles. However, while it looks good on paper, Patrick Peterson could be the weakest link here because I don't know if you saw the Packers highlights. Christian Watson, the rookie, (laughs) burnt Peterson downfield and dropped the ball. That was on Patrick Peterson. They came back, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, burned Patrick Peterson. So there's an opportunity here. If I'm the Eagles, when I got Patrick Peterson mismatched, maybe on Devonta Smith, maybe on Quez Watkins, if I'm Jalen Hurts, I'm looking to audible as soon as I have an opportunity to stretch Peterson and take him deep and test him, I'm looking to exploit that weakness. Who, who's the wide receiver there that, you know, Hurts should t- look to take advantage of a mismatch, do you think? 
I think speed-wise, we look at Quez Watkins, but I think just chemistry-wise and Jalen Hurts being comfortable, I think you have to look at Devontae Smith, especially just because he didn't have any receptions in game one. You need to get that back up, and you need to figure out when you can utilize A.J. Brown and when you can utilize Devontae Smith because that's your one-two punch right there. I think the Vikings are going to have a little bit of a better game plan to go on A.J. Brown, and I think that's going to open doors for guys like Quez Watkins and Devontae Smith. But I love Smith on that mismatch. I want to see him go deep for yards this week. I want to see him be able to do what he can do. We saw it last year. It's not like something we're trying out. It's not like something the Eagles are trying to maybe figure out if they have any chemistry or if Hurts can throw it to him. They did it a year ago, and they can do it again. It's just about now you have this great receiver who's going to give you everything and more in A.J. Brown. Where does Devontae Smith come in? And if there's a mismatch, you're talking about speed, you're talking about a deep threat, and I think we're going to see that a lot more being aired out to him this week. No, I agree. I think that's the matchup. If if you get Peterson on Smith, right, and you want to compensate for last week, like, hey, we only got you four targets, Devonta, <laughs> but, hey, when we got you one-on-one with, with, with Peterson, like, just run that go route because, like, it's there for the taking. And I think – you know, to your point, like if teams don't start adapting and adjusting to AJ Brown and account and, and put two men on him, he's going to eat all day. And so I wonder, like, if Harrison Smith or Cam Bynum has to come and double team AJ Brown, and you get that one-on-one matchup between Smith and and Peterson, there might not be any back end help there. That could be really like the difference of the game, if they can make a long play or two, but if I, if I'm the Eagles, even if I don't complete the pass, you've got to do that early in the game, make the defense respect that because suddenly everything underneath will come much easier. Suddenly Dallas Goddard will find openings who I thought played fairly well, considering the limited targets, but he played well in the blocking game. He did his thing in the passing game. And you know, we also saw Jack Stoll in 12 personnel where the Eagles would run a jumbo with with both um, uh, both tight ends, Goddard and Stoll, power right. Didn't always work necessarily, but they tried it. Um, so what do you think with the tight end situation? Grant Calcaterra was inactive. We saw Noah Togiai activated and playing uh, – Do you think that was a performance thing, an injury thing, a combination of both? Because he really wasn't around much to get reps, that Grant Calcaterra. But he does offer another big, tall tree trunk like uh, Dallas Goddard. Eventually, they've got to get this man on the field somehow, some way, no? Yeah, I mean, I think so. And I think the thing as well, especially last week, you know, trying things out, I think they're also trying to see what Jalen Hurts can do on the short routes as well. And you can utilize tight ends for that. You're not necessarily going to use Devontae Smith for a 10-yard pickup if you want him to go deep. Yes, you'll use A.J. Brown for that. But I really like how the Eagles experimented on offense. I really liked Nick Sirianni's play calling as well. I think it really matched up offensively. And I think you just try things out. Once again, this is the beginning of the season. Injuries are going to happen. There's going to be guys that you expect to be great that might not be guys that are starting to play in week two that you want to see get in there that will have a few catches. And that's all it needs to be. They don't need to be a Dallas Goddard. They don't need to be an A.J. Brown. They need to get the first downs when needed when Dallas Goddard needs a break and come in and to be able to do that on the other side. So I think you have to see what he can do. I also, once again, I like how – 
they're experimenting a little bit, whether it's injuries or things like that, don't necessarily know. I think they're just trying to figure out what they have on the field and figuring out how they can really spread the offense. Well, they've definitely did a good job spreading the rock amongst the running backs. And, uh, hey, when you got four different guys scoring four different rushing touchdowns, it, it, it's it's definitely working, right? And I saw here, like, the Eagles weren't the only team poorly executing tackles. The Eagles weren't the only team uh, getting gashed in the run because I see the Vikings, they gave up 110 rushing yards to Green Bay at 6.2 yards per clip. So – I mean, I think the ground and pound, like, yes, there's there's advantages to take uh, mismatches to take advantage of in the passing game. But I believe that this is another game where the Eagles have to pound the rock, ground and pound, run it out. That vulnerable uh, Vikings defense gave up a lot of rushing yards. Is it ride the hot hand or do you like the committee approach? We saw uh all three backs, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, get into the action. Do you want to see more of that, or do you want to see Miles kind of take it up a notch? I think this was a great way to kind of maximize, and and, and I think Miles Sanders is most effective when he doesn't have to touch it 20-plus times, right? I think this might be the way to go in the long term. Yeah, to me, the more the merrier. And I absolutely loved the running back rotation last week. I said it a week ago. Everybody already knows I'm a huge fan of Kenny Gainwell. I just love the way that he's able to push through everybody. But Miles Sanders, the one play where he was able to juke, you thought that he was going to get stuck and then somehow ends up getting positive yardage. We're going to see more and more of that for Miles Sanders this season. But I think it's smart if you're next Sirianni, right? Because you know Sanders' injury history you know that you might not necessarily want him to come in for 20 to 25 plus touches because you have guys behind them that can have very good production as well. Now, if you're trying to get a first down, Miles Sanders. If you're trying to get a third and five and you want to run it, it's Miles Sanders. That's your number one guy. But you want to keep him healthy. You want to keep his longevity in the season, keep going. And for that, you have guys that can back him up. It's not like you're having that much of a drop off. Kenny Gainwell showed up last week. We'll see if he can keep it and continue it this week and beyond. And I love Boston Scott as well. I mean, I think even just from the past two years, you saw what he can do. You see the toughness in the running back position. So I like the rotation, especially because we know Sanders' injury history, and I think that just gives him a chance to stay a little bit more healthy too. No, I like the makeup of the backfield. I think, you know, Boston Scott is the definition of toughness, or as Dan Campbell likes to use, gritty. Yeah. Um, you know, Miles, I and I gave Miles a lot of heat uh in preseason right because i kept saying hey he's gotta he's gotta put his big boy pants on right and i gotta give credit where credit is due because i saw a lot of nice second effort i saw you know like you said it looked like no gain and then boom mm -hmm. he's busting out chunks of yardage 20 20 plus yards so that was vintage miles sanders like you get another performance out of the backfield like that again this is going to be a w however at some point, I mean, do the mathematics. What's 17 times 17? I wasn't a math major, but if Jalen Hurts is running the ball 17 times a game and I heard Nick Sariani in his press conference saying he does such a good job of deflecting hits and rolling with the hits and avoiding big hits, but at the same time, I heard the same thing about Kyler Murray. And it seems like at season's end, he's relegated to becoming a pocket-passing quarterback, one-dimensional, much easier to shut down. Now, give Jalen Hurts credit. He's been extremely durable, not only in the NFL, 
at the college level, even at the high school level. Like, here's a guy that's never been hurt, yet he tends to run the ball a lot. You cool with that? You want to see him tone it back a little bit? Like, I just find it hard to believe a quarterback is going to take all those hits week in and week out. This is a team talking about playing football in February. That's 21-plus weeks. How do you make it through the season like that if you're Jalen Hurts? And that's what scares me, too, because you take a look back a few years ago on Carson Wentz. Kind of the same thing. Was great at scrambling out. Obviously, his injury history was a lot different than Jalen Hurts, but injury prone because of the way that he plays the game. I don't want to see the same thing happen to Jalen Hurts. Now, with that being said, I like how he's willing to put his body on the line to get extra yards when needed in big games. I think that's his comfort, though, and that's the thing. I think he's still getting used to being able to connect with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I think the second half, he was so much better. He missed a lot of his spots in the first half. But that's what he goes to when he's comfortable. He sees an opening, and he's going to go. But I think he needs to rely on that running game a little bit more, whether that's a Nick Sirianni game plan or that's Jalen Hurts. And I think he needs to try to get those short routes a lot more, whether that's Quez Watkins, Devontae Smith, or Dallas Goddard or other tight ends filling in and there. I would like to see Dallas Goddard get a little bit more involved in those short routes so he's not running the ball as much because, like you said, the injuries are going to happen and you're putting your body on the line in that situation. I love it when you can get it for extra yards. It gets me excited. But every time he gets hit, I kind of like close my eyes a little bit because I'm scared that something's going to happen. And I think if you want to play football through February, you have to be a little bit cautious. Utilize those tight ends on those short routes to give you those gains. Run it when you need to, but don't rely on it. And I think that's what he did a little bit in week one. No, I agree wholeheartedly. And it's it's only a matter of time. It's It's only, you know, when, not if, if you continue to run that ball that amount of times in the NFL, at some point it's going to catch up to you. And with that being said, maybe Gardner Menchu is a valuable asset here to keep around because I know Dak Prescott's out. They're looking for a quarterback. The Eagles have one. Now, I know they don't want to help out the Cowboys <laughs> by any means, but Jim Nagy, the senior bowl director, made a good point. You know, Howie only gave up a six-round pick for Menchu. Mm -hmm. So there's a possibility, like, he could possibly flip that for a second-round pick, which looks great on paper, which we'll be ecstatic about come draft time. But I just can't bail out the Cowboys with Gardner Menchu. The last thing you need to do, you still got to play them twice this year. The last thing you need to see is Menchu back there slinging the rock around <laughs> for the Cowboys, right? Yeah, I mean, what do you do if you're the Cowboys in this situation, though? Because you're looking at a team that was supposed to be first or second in the NFC East. Now you're already down wideouts. CeeDee Lamb might not be as productive as everybody thought. And now you definitely don't have anybody that can reach CeeDee Lamb because Dak Prescott is out for six to eight weeks. And that can put a real damper in your season if they're not able to win games and Dak comes back. And then it's like, well, we can't even make the playoffs now. So I think the Cowboys are absolutely going to be looking for a quarterback. Will it be Minshew? I don't know. There's a lot of other quarterback injuries around the league, too. Mac Jones, of course, is questionable. I don't think that thing will be long-term, though. I think that he'll be back at least this week, I'm hoping, because he's on my fantasy team, and Dak Prescott was also on my fantasy team. So I'm kind of in need for a quarterback right now. But if you're Dallas, I don't think it would hurt to look. If you're Howie Roseman in the Eagles and you can get something good back, business is business at the end of the day. I don't want to face Garner Minshew two times a year, but – if Howie Roseman has been able to do as well as he has in getting trades and getting stuff back and only for a little bit, 
I think it would be a smart move. I really do. But you have, just have to make sure that you still have someone to back off Jalen Hurts just in case in this crazy game of football he does get injured and you don't want to risk your season. Yeah, it's tempting, right? Because when you when you make out like a bandit, who doesn't want to win and, and gain draft equity? But at the same time, like you give up Menchu and Hurts goes down. Now you're in the same predicament as the Cowboys. Like right. Ian Book just ain't going to get it done. So – We'll see what happens with the Cowboys. Oh, by the way, their offensive line is banged up. I, oh, I yeah. said it yesterday. <laughs> I got, I got a ditch dug in, in the in the beach in Atlantic City, six feet deep for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, with that being said, both the uh, Washington Commanders and New York Football Giants pulling off big W's in Week One. Suddenly, there's optimism in the Meadowlands. Uh, Brian, uh, uh, big day balls going for it, going for the win. Going for two, getting the W. Saquon Barkley looks like a rejuvenated man. Yeah. Uh, say what you want. There were some ups and downs with Carson Wentz. They still pull off the W against our old uh, buddy there and Doug Peterson. Does the Dak Prescott injury open up the door for the Commanders or Giants to sneak into the wild card hunt? Absolutely, especially if Saquon Barkley is healthy. Listen, I'm an Eagles fan through and through, but I love good football too. And when I saw Saquon Barkley doing what he could do on Sunday, I was excited because I liked him a lot when he was drafted and looking to see how he's able to bounce back off injuries was really exciting to watch just as a football fan in general. But if you look at the Giants and the team that they played in the Titans, very close matchup right there. I think the Giants could possibly be right now the second team in the NFC East, especially if you look at the Cowboys and they don't get any help. Now, Jimmy G still might be an opportunity. I was looking in the comments as well. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys are looking for that. Then that kind of changes things a little bit. But if you're looking at the Cowboys right now, six to eight weeks is a long time for a team that can get hot in the New York Giants and try to get that wild card spot. The Commanders, I'm not as impressed with. It was Jacksonville. I'm not really hanging my hat saying, wow, week one, they're really going to get that wild card spot. The Giants, though, if Barkley can stay healthy, I think that they can definitely sneak their way into the playoffs, especially if Dallas is unable to do what they need to do in six to eight weeks without Dak. Yeah, I think the I think the New York football Giants finally got it right with that head coaching position. They, mm -hmm. they had a lot of uh... – a revolving door there for a little bit with uh, Shermer, Pat Shermer, and then uh, Ben McAdoo and uh, Joe Judge. And finally, <laughs> finally, uh, Brian Dayball looks like a winner. And yeah. give him props, too, because he went over to the sideline like Daniel Jones was doing Daniel Jones things again. He went over to the sideline and called him out like, bro, what are you doing? Like, get your head in the game. And Saquon Barkley bailed him out the uh, – the Titans kicker <laughs> bailed them out <laughs> with the miss at the end. But, hey, the door's open now. And you mentioned mm -hmm. Dak Prescott out six to eight weeks. I'd be hard-pressed to believe the Cowboys win more than two games with Cooper Rush at quarterback. They thought yeah. so highly of Cooper Rush that they didn't even have him on the active roster. They, they only carried uh, one quarterback on the 53-man roster, then they brought back Cooper Rush. They cut, they cut both their backups, Ben DiNucci, Cooper Rush. They couldn't upgrade on the waiver. Mason, Mason Rudolph could be had, but I'm not sure that's the guy you want to go to battle with. So uh, we'll see where the, the cookies crumble next week and, and where this NFC East is sitting atop. Before we let you go, got to get the big, uh, big money prediction here. Eagles, Vikings, I think I know who you have. 
Is it going to be a close game again? Is it going to be a high-scoring affair? Let's get a prediction with points from uh, Kayla Santiago on the books. Yeah, we talked about it in the beginning. I think it's a close game just because on paper these teams are so similar. I think I'm going to have to take the Eagles. I've been back and forth, honestly, with this prediction all week long just because of what I saw defensively in the Eagles last week. But I do think if Darius Slay can have a really, really good game, he's on Justin Jefferson. You try to eliminate that factor as much as you can. You utilize your other receivers. I'm going to take the birds 24 to 21 this week, and I think it could come down to a field goal. It's it's shaping up to be a, a field goal <laughs> kind of matchup, right? And uh, for the second week, Eagles fans are going to be sweating this one out, I think, to the nitty-gritty. Uh, always a pleasure having you on. Of course, Kayla Santiago here each and every Wednesday Ooh. on the Football Playbook with us. We're so honored and privileged, Kayla. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will do it again next week. Yeah, thank you for having me. Go Birds. All right, there you have it. Kayla Santiago checking in. Philadelphia's finest, uh, doing big things down there for Delmarva Sports. We're doing big things here on the Jacob Sports Channel. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. Make sure you get all of our show notifications throughout the week, throughout the Eagles pre and post game at the Ocean Casino Resorts down there in Atlantic City. The gallery is going to be off the heezy this Monday night for this uh, primetime showdown between the Eagles and the Vikings. We'll break it down. We'll chop it up. A little bit more. Got to pay some bills. Coming right up after the commercial break, I'm going to get into my uh, Kirk Cousins versus Jalen Hurts debate. So you won't want to miss this. Stay, stay tuned. Keep it locked. We'll be back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes go to get your parlay on go to get your party on go for the scene go for the screens go for the gallery go for the win go to ocean visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. 
If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Again, it's the football playbook. All right, seeing the place to be, Rick Saratella, telling like it is when it comes to Philadelphia Eagles football, everything football here on the Jacob Sports Channel, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City. <clears throat> we are uh, getting down to the twelve o'clock hour where the sports take guys will take over right after this. Uh, great job there out of Kayla Santiago, who joins us each and every Wednesday, along with uh, Glenn Irby from the Eagles Newswire USA Today. Uh, that'll be our kind of Wednesday Wednesday combination there as we uh, prime you for the Eagles game, getting you over hump day on Wednesday, midweek affair. Of course, we got to wait until the weekend and come back on Monday and continue to break down this Monday night football primetime affair. And so uh, a lot of big evenly matchups on paper with this Eagles and Lions matchup and you could argue or you could state that Kirk Cousins, Jalen Hurts, put a gun to my head. I might be able to find you 15 better starting quarterbacks. Might be able to find you 15 worse quarterbacks when I look around the league, right? To me, Kirk Cousins is the definition of mediocrity. 59 and 59, 500 record as a starter, never won more than 10 games in a season. Much like Jalen Hurts was not selected to really be the starter. If you remember, RG3 was taken in the same draft. Kirk Cousins won a couple rounds later, winded up taking over that job. But then the Washington commanders had a decision to make in-house. Do we pay a mediocre quarterback top dollar? Washington said, no, thank you. We can get by with mediocre quarterback play. And now how many quarterbacks have they fallen on <laughs> where <laughs> the carousel keeps turning? Now they're on Carson Wentz. I wouldn't be surprised if there's another starting quarterback in Washington next year. And that's because they didn't want to give, they didn't want to show Kirk the money, right? But we talked about it. There's something to be said for competent quarterback play. There's something to be said for a quarterback who can sit there in the pocket and dink and dunk and pick you apart if you allow him to. Jonathan Gannon, are you listening? However, when Kirk starts dancing and he starts getting happy feet back there in the pocket, 
that's where I like our chances. If you're Philadelphia, make them a little bit nervous, get them a little off platform. That's where cousins tends to accuracy goes down. Effectiveness goes down, but that's where Jalen thrives because Jalen hurts is the ultimate improviser. But it begs the question, how would you feel about Jalen Hurts' performance if he was making $35 million a year like Kirk Cousins? If he was making $128 million for four years like Carson Wentz, how would you feel about his performance then? Would you still think Jalen's the slightest thing, greatest thing since sliced bread? Would you still be praising Jalen for how good he played? At $2 million, it looks like a bargain. What's it look like at $35 million? And I got news for you. Salary cap's only going up, my friends. What's that song? Everything going up but my paycheck? Yeah, inflation. It's 2022. <laughs> the salary cap's going up probably 20 to $25 million next year. So it's going to be more than what Kirk Cousins is getting paid. It's going to be more <laughs> if you're the agent for Jalen Hurts and you chose Hurts over Wentz, it's going to be more than that Carson Wentz deal. So it begs to ask the question, who you got? Who you got? If you were to build a football team around one of these quarterbacks, take the money out of the equation. Take the money out of it. You rolling with Kirk? You're going with Jalen. Who are you building your team around? You want a pocket passer or you want an improviser? It's a tough question. It's a tough question. And <clears throat> I might rankle some feathers, <laughs> pun intended, with this one. If I got to say today, I'm probably going Kirk Cousins. I just am because... Jalen Hurts got hit more than any quarterback. He got hit more than any player in week one. In fact, according to ESPN stats, he got 20 hits. 20 hits. He was hit 20 times in that game against the Lions. 20. Do the math, guys. Over the regular season, that's just the regular season. That's almost 400 times your quarterback's getting hit. I don't care how big and bad and tough you are. Even I would get injured after 400 hits, believe it or not. Somebody's getting hurt after 400 hits, and we haven't even hit the postseason. That's risque business. That's risque. Kyler Murray's getting paid $46 million a year. If I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I don't really feel good about that. But if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, who cares? If I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I'm saying, hey, I've been an underachiever. I'm on the hot seat. If we don't win this year, I'm not going to be here anyway. Who cares if I give Kyler Murray $46 million a year? That's the next GM or head coach's problem. i got to win this season. And so the Arizona Cardinals said, hey, they evaluated the uh, quarterback landscape. They looked around the league, and they said, we got no better options. Let's just pay the man his money. This is going to be a tough decision, really tough decision, because I do think Hurts has got to tighten it up. The offensive line, 
has got to tighten it up. They did great in the run game. We gave them all their kudos, all their praise in the rushing game. Hats off to you. That pass game has to tighten up. And I saw Jason Kelsey's comments that, you know, the offensive line blew a lot of uh, blitz packages on the, on the, on the pass blocking protection, blew a lot of blitz coverages. <laughs> got to tighten that up. The captain says so. But I got to say, like, Kirk Cousins or Jalen Hurts, two different style quarterbacks, two different definitions of mediocre, two different definitions of competent. Are you giving Hurts that money? You're giving him the big bucks? Because it makes me a lot more nervous when you're getting paid $35, $40 million a year and taking 20 hits a game. Two million bucks, not my money, but there has salary cap ramifications because we saw it. Patrick Mahomes got paid the big money. They've got to remake that offensive line every year. Patrick Mahomes gets paid the big money, not enough to go around for Tyreek Hill. Oh, by the way, Devonta Smith, he'll be up for an extension in two years. Paying AJ Brown 25 million a year. You give Jalen Hurts 40 million a year. You're going to be able to pay Devonta Smith on his next come around? Maybe you can. You're going to hurt somewhere else, though. Someone someone else is going to have to go. Can't pay everybody. Big decision to make. Big decision to make. 20 hits. It's unacceptable. Now, Cousins, he's another guy, though, like, he limits the turnover. 33 touchdowns to seven interceptions last year. 4,200 passing yards. Last week against Green Bay, two touchdowns. Zero interceptions. 277 passing yards against the Packers. So that's what you're up against. A guy, and, and listen, Cousins will dink and dunk you, but don't get it twisted. He'll take some shots downfield too. He'll take a couple flyers down the field. He can make all the throws if asked to do so. I think the short to intermediate game is where he excels. But Justin Je- Justin Jefferson averaged 20 yards per catch last week for a reason. Because Cousins will take some shots. Cousins will take some shots. I know they're happy in Minnesota about the addition of Jalen Rager. I don't see it. Maybe I think maybe we'll see. I know he he straight. It sounded like he's you know we had our good friend Lindsey Young from Vikings.com on yesterday. It sounded like her, uh, Rager was primarily and strictly a punt returner last week. Still picking up the offense, but I would I would imagine if I'm Kevin O'Connell, it's like hey, for all the heat that Rager took, for all the criticism that ran him out of town, a former first-round pick, like you've got to at least give him a chance to rub it in his old team's face, right? Like we've got to see Jalen Rager in the slot a few snaps. And when you do, you know what's coming, fly route, right? Like you got to imagine like Rager's got a chip on his shoulder you would think if he's a competitor, I don't know what his DNA makeup is. I don't know him personally. 
you would think he's got a chip, something to prove. He wants to show the Eagles why they made a mistake trading him. So I do expect to see Jalen Rager lined up in the slot at some point in time in this game. Vontae Maddox will be waiting. Now, I do got to say, K.J. Osborne's a personal favorite of mine in the slot. Don't discount that, man. But, you know, that's the other thing is, like, Kirk Cousins, he'll he'll spray the ball around the parking lot. Like, he'll hit – he'll go to Thielen. He'll go to Osborne. Jefferson will get his targets. Um, now, I did see, like, they favored Jefferson. Like, they found a mismatch last week, and they just picked on, on the uh, – Packers secondary. I did see where all other wide receivers, like Justin Jefferson had nine catches for 184 yards last week. All the other receivers combined accounted for 93 yards. Like they got 20 targets for 93 yards. So do you double down on Jefferson? Do you bring help from the safety? Do you bring Chauncey Gardner Johnson down to help Darius Slay and run the risk of Thielen. Bradbury on Thielen. What do you think of that matchup? It's gonna be it's gonna be tough on paper. But going back to the Kirk Cousins and, and Jalen Hurts debate, just to put a wrap on it, like if I had to win a game today, it's Kirk Cousins. If I had to build a team around a quarterback today for the length of a, for one season, for just this season, it's Kirk Cousins. However, however, I will say this. Kirk Cousins is in his mid thirties. He is what he is. We know what Kirk Cousins is. This is his ceiling. I don't want to say he plateaued, but like, this is as good as he gets. This is what he is. He's a 4,000-yard passer. Hey, if you account for 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions, pretty good. And I think Jalen Hurts could do that. Now, Kirk Cousins had 33 passing touchdowns. I think Jalen could achieve 33 touchdowns. They're just not all going to be passing. You know, give me... 25 passing, seven or eight rushing. That's 35, 40 million. I think a lot of it will come down to the playoff performance because I'll tell you what, the playoff game against the Bucks was an embarrassment. And the NFC, it's early, but from what I see, the NFC is going to run through Tampa. And should they meet Tampa in the playoffs again and get taken to the woodshed, then I don't think Hurts earns the contract. They got to slay the demons. They got to slay the goat. They got to run through Green Bay. They got to run through the Rams. It's all fine and dandy on paper. That's why they play the games. So I will say this. If I was building a team for the future, not just for one game, not just for one season. I do believe that Jalen Hurts has the greater upside. I do believe that Jalen Hurts has not, you know, his best football is still in front of him. He has not peaked yet, 
right? That that dangerous word, that dangerous P word of potential. Potential. Potential can get you hurt in the pocketbook. We've seen it. We've seen it with these big money quarterback contracts. So I will say this. If I'm building for the future, whether it's a three-year plan or a five-year plan, I think, you know, not for long. The patience in the NFL, if you got a five-year plan, that doesn't exist anymore in the NFL, right? So it's it's more like a three-year plan because we see teams go from worst to first. Expectations are, hey, we could turn around with the three years. If I'm building a team around a three-year plan, I'm taking Jalen Hurts. I would much rather if I if I got to give a big money contract today and pick my quarterback of the future, then it's Jalen Hurts. I'd rather give Jalen the money for the next three years than Kirk Cousins because I know what Kirk Cousins is about. I don't go to bed at night resting my head on the pillow with dreams of envisioning Kirk Cousins hoisting the Lombardi trophy, right? Like, that's not the image in my head when Kirk Cousins is my quarterback. Uh, I could see it with Jalen. I can. Because the demeanor, right? I think Kirk Cousins could play in any market. But the demeanor that Jalen Hurts has for the Philadelphia fan base and media, it's as good as it gets. Like, you can't rattle this guy for nothing. I like that. I like that. I like... Even though it resulted in a penalty, I like the Philadelphia Eagles players getting in the face of the Lions and saying, yo, that's my quarterback. And I like the fact that the players are going to rally around this man because I think that's what you call intangibles. It's the intangibles. It's the X factor. It's the preparation. It's the professional demeanor. It's being the first one in and the last one out. It's picking your teammates up when they're down that Jalen Hurts does all the right things. And so we can live with some of the dirt 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 plays. We can live with too many men on the field. And heck, we can even live with the occasional delay of game in week one. But you got to tighten it up, Jalen. You got to show us what I'm talking about. Because I can say it and I can believe it But until you show us, then Howie can't show you the money. And that's what it comes down to. And I think week two, it's as big as a week two matchup as it gets, as far as Jalen Hurts is concerned. You want the Eagles to show me the money? Take care of this mediocre mediocre quarterback on Monday Night Football. Show me that you're better than a mediocre Kirk Cousins who commands $70 million over the next two seasons. Show me that you're worth more than that guy. Oh, by the way, it came with a no trade clause. They'll probably have to give Jalen that too. So not only are you going to tie him up long-term, if you decide to give him the big money, he's probably going to want a no trade clause. You comfortable doing that, Howie? I think it's TBD. I really do. I think those are the same conversations that are going on right now 
inside the facility, TBD. Show me. It's time to show me. It's time to ante up. And it's time to take care of these mediocre quarterbacks. And let's be frank. The Minnesota Vikings are a mediocre team. Put them in the AFC. Nobody's talking about the Vikings as contenders. They're mediocre. Good teams win the games they're supposed to win, and they do it on the back of their quarterback. So while we're looking at you, Jonathan Gannon, this game is as big as it gets for Jalen Hurts' future. And I do think the future is much brighter for Jalen than it is Kirk Cousins. Just my take, one man's opinion, a lot of football left to be played, a lot of football left to be discussed when we come back tomorrow on the Football Playbook. We're halfway through the week. It's only Wednesday. We got you over to Hump, Glenn Irby, USA Today Eagles Newswire, our good friend Kayla Santiago, part of the NFL Draft Bible Familia, Delmarva Sports, chopping it up, breaking it down. We'll be back tomorrow. We got two more great guests lined up for you. Former Raiders Pro Personnel Director Dane Vandernat, of course, current Executive Director of the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. We'll check in. We'll also have my good friend Neil Stratton from InsideTheLeague.com. Check in with uh, front office personnel, executive scouting, all that fun stuff tomorrow. We'll try to get a Eagles or Vikings rider on for you tomorrow as well. And then we've got football Friday counting you down to the Eagles-Vikings Monday night football matchup. And we'll get some uh, predictions in from the NFL on football Friday. We'll go around the league. We'll get our picks in. But we'll come back tomorrow, talk more uh, Eagles. We'll talk more about this Vikings matchup. And we'll break it down. We'll chop it up. We'll try to do better the next time. But keep it locked. Coming up at 12 in just two minutes, you got the sports take guys, uh, Barrett Brooks, Derek Gunn. Our good friend Rob holding it down. If you're in the chat room, watch it on the uh, Jacob Sports YouTube stream. You can keep it locked. If you have it on autoplay, it'll take you right into the next show, whether you're watching the video or in the chat room. So, hey, big shout out to Tone. Appreciate the help behind the scenes. I know Xander popped on for the last 10 minutes or so and is going to take you home with the Sports Take guys, followed by Dan Cilio. I'll be back at it again tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. It's the Football Playbook. Keep it chopping, everybody.